We're glad to welcome you today to amazing stories, amazing stories of God's redeeming power from the ends of the earth. I'm going to take you today to Siberia where God is about to do a great and a marvelous work. Before I take you to the ends of the earth, I want to bring you here to the United States. But of course, it all depends where you are when you talk about the ends of the earth. When you're in Russia, America is the ends of the earth. But let me tell you, Siberia is about as end as you can get. Here's a letter that I received just uh, when I got home, which only been written four or five days ago. Dear Pastor Carter, my husband Joe was raised in the ex-church, and I joined shortly after we were married almost 31 years ago. We were both so young and in love. He was 18 and I was 17. Anybody remember that far back? I would have followed him anywhere. A few years later, he became completely dissatisfied with following blindly and left the church. And again, shortly after, I followed. It was either that or divorce because the pressure of one in the church and one out can completely tear you apart. One always, uh, one once away from the church, I was able to think clearly and realized it wasn't what I was looking for either. For a long time, we were not involved with any church at all. It wasn't that we didn't believe in God, but if the only church we knew of was not true, and it claimed to be the only true church, then what hope was there for finding a church that was the true church? We were just blundering through life, doing the best we could. We never knew that the Bible could be read, understood, and used in your everyday life. We never studied the Bible in the ex-church. There were references to it, but no real studying of it. There was also doubt cast on the accuracy of it due, due to translation errors made, supposedly. It makes me sad that we wasted so much time not trusting in God's word. When we started praying for the Lord to open our minds and hearts to his truth and will, he truly blessed us beyond belief. We've gone through a lot of hardships this last year, but because of this, we were led to Christ. We moved during this time of hardship and began to get the 3ABN network. Why we weren't able to get it at our old address, I don't know. I guess we just weren't ready to hear it. We only moved about half a mile away, and I can see our old home across an open field. None of my friends are able to get it, so we are truly blessed. We have so enjoyed your programs. We started watching your L.A. crusade and feel that it has helped us so much to lead us back to the Bible. We've given our lives to Christ and are trying to keep his commandments. We are still getting the hang of it. With Christ guiding us, we believe all things are possible. This sure is an awful long letter to say what I really wanted to say, which is thank you for showing us the way back to Jesus. Thank you for getting us back to the Bible. Thank you for showing us that the Bible is for today and every day and that all answers are there if we just seek it out. May God bless you, your family, your church, and your ministry always. That's the reason we're in this business, dear folks. That's the reason we televise these programs because we're in the greatest work in the world, and that is the work of leading people to Jesus 
and to God's word. And so I just want to say to that family, I guess they'll be watching. We're so glad that God was able to lead you at the right time back to Jesus and to his word. And God bless you. Today I'm going to tell you some amazing stories of God's redeeming power from the ends of the earth. But before I tell you the stories, I want to read you some texts out of the Bible. I'd like you to take, please, your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1, and verses 7 and 8. And uh, I'm just off the plane back from Russia, still feeling a little jet-lagged, crossed over 32 time zones going there and back. Acts, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. It was a quick trip, just eight days and four and a half nights of that period. I was on a plane or on a train. Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. He said to them, this is Jesus. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I've got news for every person sitting here in this church today and every person watching the telecast if you are a believer in Christ, God has called you and God has ordained you to be his witness. The Bible says you will be my witnesses. I want to ask you today, are you God's witness? You'll be my witnesses after you have received the Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, we become his witnesses in Jerusalem. That's near at hand. And in all Judea, that's a little further. And Samaria, that's even a little further. And to the ends of the earth. God has called every Christian, every believer to be his witness. God hasn't just called me to preach the word and to win souls to Christ. God has called every person who owns the name of Christ to be his witness. I want you to come over now to the prophet Ezekiel chapter 33 and verses 1 down and onwards. Ezekiel 33 and verses 1 down and onwards in the holy word of God. Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 1 and onwards. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say to them, When I bring the sword against a land, and the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their, their watchman, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. Since he heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning, his blood will be on his own head. If he had taken warning, he would have saved himself. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes the life of one of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O oh, wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn that wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. 
I want to tell every person who is watching the telecast today and every person in the church, God has placed upon every one of us a tremendous responsibility. God has called you to be his witness. Every person who becomes a believer is called to be a minister of God. Every person. This is the doctrine of spiritual gifts so plainly taught in the Bible. And the Bible tells us that God has set us as his children upon the wall to be his watchmen and to sound the warning message so that men and women may be saved. And the Bible says that if we do not sound the warning message, then the wicked man is going to perish in his sin. It doesn't say he's going to be saved because he didn't have the opportunity. The Bible says he's going to perish in his own blood. But the Bible says God will hold you and me as the watchman accountable for his blood. So I want you to know today that God has given to the church because of the divine commission when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. God has given to us a tremendous responsibility to be his witnesses. Would you come over here to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19 to the words of our blessed Lord. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. Matthew 16 and verse 19, and Jesus here is talking to St. Peter and to the church. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God has given to the preachers of the gospel. God has given to the ministers of the church. God has given to the membership of the church the keys of the kingdom. And Jesus told us what the keys were. The keys represent the truths of the holy gospel. Every time this word is preached from this and a thousand other pulpits, the key is inserted into the door and the door is open so sinners may go into the kingdom of God. God has given to the church the responsibility of turning the world to righteousness. I want you to accept today this responsibility. The Bible says, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. You will be my watchmen standing on the wall. You have the keys of the kingdom in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to talk to you today about the ends of the earth. Just recently for the 18th time, I crossed the Atlantic to go to Russia. It's a long trip just simply to get to Moskva or Moscow. And then there's another flight of six hours right across the broad heart to Mother Russia when you come to Irkutsk, right in the very heart of Siberia. What a tremendous land this land of Siberia is. The tiger forest in the land of Siberia is bigger than the entire continental USA. What a tremendous land it is. It is a land that is filled with millions and millions and millions of people who've never, 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 never heard the gospel because the church has not been faithful to God. The church here in North America, the church in the Western world has failed to be the witness that God has called the church to be. And this land is the most neglected land that I know of 
on the face of the earth. People have said to me, why do you continue? Because it is the will of God. That is why. Russia is still a formidable power. As you may have noticed yesterday in Kosovo. The United States of America is afraid to do anything without the blessing of Russia because she has more nuclear weapons than the rest of the world put together. It has the largest population of educated people on the face of the earth. For hundreds of years, this vast land was ruled by the czars with a bloody fist. And then for 70 years in this century, it came under the heel of communism. And uh, scholars estimate that up to 70, 70, 70, 70 million souls died for their faith in that land. And the church back here in America and in Australia said, Oh, God opened the doors. And God opened the doors and what happened? There was a little influx so people could get their pictures and then they went home. And I'm here to tell you today that the doors that were opened are now closing as I told you it would happen all around here in Western Russia. The doors are closing and we can no longer go and preach there. This is one of the reasons I've gone to Siberia. Did you know this, my friend? I've had the privilege of running crusades in Africa. I have preached in Baghdad in the Middle East. I preached in Europe. I preached in England. I preached in the United States. I preached here in the great South Pacific. I preached in the Philippines. But God has given to us and the church the greatest, the most fruitful, and the most neglected mission field in the world. And I say to the church leaders, when are you going to respond to the voice of the Spirit of God and be witnesses for God? Did you know... That across this vast land, there are virtually no church buildings. Did you know this? Some in Kiev, I have had the privilege of preaching in Moscow and St. Petersburg and Kiev and Nizhny Novgorod and now in Siberia. But across this vast land, there are virtually no Christian Adventist churches and my heart is stirred within me with what I consider to be a righteous indignation that the people in North America in Canada and across the fruited plain will catch the vision of being God's witness do I like going there? No, I'm afraid I get jaded. I'm afraid I get weary of the traveling. But I do it, my friend, because someone's got to do it. I want to tell you stories from the land of Mother Russia, some stories that move my heart.
Last Sabbath, I met two mafia men. These men have got blood on their hands. They came from down here in southern Russia. They have murdered how many, I don't know. But they came a thousand kilometers. They drove a thousand kilometers because they knew I would be preaching in Nizhny Novgorod. And they came to me as meek as lambs. And I said, why have you come? Because they said, we have seen your videos. In heaven's name, how could you have seen our videos? Well, you ran a crusade in Dzinsk, did you not? Yes. 93. And you used videos from the Shrine Auditorium, translated into Russian. Yes. Well, the pastor from that church was sent a thousand kilometers to our city. And somehow we met this pastor and he gave us your videos. And we're here today to tell you that we believe in Jesus. And we have left being members of the mafia and the leader of the mafia there, this young man and this Young man who seems so innocent but whose hands is stained with the blood of many, many souls said, I had a magnificent home. Vladim said to me, you should have seen his home. He said, magnificent. He lived in a palace. But he has sold his home and he is using the money to build a church. And he's come up here, he said, to see. He said, he's come here to Nizhny Novgorod to see the churches that your church is building because he wants to know how to build a church. Thank God. Thank God. We have no idea when we televise these meetings how far the message is going to go. He told me that in this city, our videos are now being circulated among the mafia and they love to hear the word. Mm. How amazing. You wonder why I go? That's one reason I go. I sometimes wish I could lay down the burdens. I will confess it to you. There are times when I've got to struggle and say to myself, is it worth the while? But when I see the faces of these men changed by grace, I say, I will continue until I die, whenever that is. Last Sabbath, I had a great day. I had the privilege of opening two brand new Adventist Christian churches. This is a portion of the ribbon that I cut to open one of the churches. When I cut the ribbon, they said, cut it again so you can take it back and you can put it in your Bible and so you won't forget us. In the year 94, in Nizhny Novgorod, I ran a campaign in the city uh, down at the Volga Auto Plant, uh, a suburb rather than a city, a suburb of Nizhny Novgorod. The Volga Auto Plant is the biggest auto plant in the world. The biggest auto plant in the world. Hundreds of thousands of Russians are employed there making motor cars and also helping to make tanks. And Russia is on the move. 
Don't discount Russia. Don't think Russia is over America. Russia is on the move again. She will become a great world power and she'll shake this world again. You better get in there and try to Christianize her. I had the privilege in 94 running this crusade, baptizing over a thousand new believers. And then those believers, because we don't have any churches, people say, but you know, I'm sure we got you. No, we got no churches. Got no churches. Why? Because we don't send the money. That's why. Because we're tied up with a bureaucracy. That's how we spend our money, on a bureaucracy, not on soul winning. And these believers were put in a dirty, filthy little hall. And the Orthodox Church persecuted them, persecuted them. It is a church that hates the gospel, hates the preachers of the gospel, particularly this one whom they call the Antichrist. <laughs> uh, Beverly, I forgot to tell you this story. Remember in 94, the Orthodox Church sent a bunch of Orthodox ministers down to our church to close down the meetings. Remember that? And they came and they stood outside the church and they had you and me on a pamphlet as the Antichrist. Well, I'm glad to tell you that the priest, the Orthodox priest who organized that under the bishop, the man who sent the people down and called us the Orthodox, uh, called us the Antichrist, he was there at our church on Sabbath and wants me to baptize him. Uh -huh. Glory be to God. The priest who led the warfare against us has said, Pastor Carter, I want, to I want you to baptize me. I say, that's fine, but you'll have to do a little penance. But that congregation, that congregation was forced to move ten times. Sometimes in the midst of winter, they were thrown out into the snow. We're a soft bunch here in America, you know. We're a soft church. We're a soft church in Australia. If everything doesn't go right, we give up. We don't go to church. If there's a little bit of rain, we're soft. We're soft. Those people were moved ten times. And on some Sabbaths, they met out in the snow, 20 below, 30 below. And three years ago, by the grace of God, with your money, I bought them a piece of land. Didn't know how I'd build a church. But I went there three years ago with Beverly and some of my team members. And there, out in the snow, there was a little group of old ladies, babushkas, digging the foundations. And they came and kissed me. And they said, oh, help us to build this church. And one old lady said, help us to build this church. Before I die, she said, death's night is coming. Help me to build the church. She was there on Sabbath when we opened the church. I wish you could have, well, you got, you, you'll see the church. You can see the church. This beautiful church, a church that was built largely through the efforts of my friend Charles McMullen, who wanted to be here today, but he's too sick to come. I wish you could have been there last Sabbath. The service started at 9 o'clock. I got there at 10 o'clock because that's when I thought I had to be there. I walked in and there was a great choir singing. You haven't heard music until you hear the Russians sing. 
There was a great choir singing. Vadim said, look at this choir. What do you think I said? It's great. He said, you baptized every one of them. These folks used to be communists and atheists, and there they were. And there was an orchestra playing with their balalaikas. And I sat there and I said, I know I get tired. I feel like giving up. And I know there are very few supporters and very few people that you can depend upon. But these people are worth it. The dedication service took three and a half hours with children singing and people praising God. And then I preached them a strong word. Then straight after that, they put on a feast for us. A Russian feast is a Russian feast. And then we went 40 miles to Dzinsk, that is named after Dzinsky, the founder of the KGB. And then at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I arrived and the street was filled with the people that I had baptized. Back in 93, I ran the first ever evangelistic campaign in this closed city. I'll never forget it. When we went there to get in the hall, we couldn't get in the hall because the hall was surrounded by people wanting to hear the word of God. They never had the opportunity. I want to tell you folks something, unless you take the word of God more seriously, unless you're more faithful to God, God will take it away from you. Most of us do not appreciate the word of God. Those people waiting there, waiting, waiting for the word of God. When I preached in that place, I preached to thousands. They were just hanging off the rafters. Then I had to get back to the big campaign in Nizhny Novgorod. Came back 10 days later because they were showing our videos. That's why we've got a video ministry. When I made an altar call, 1,400 people came down the front and gave their lives to Christ. 1,400 people came down the front and these were some of those people. <laughs> then right on about five past four, they escorted me through the crowd and the people were clapping and praising God and crying and I cut the ribbon and went in for another three and a half or four hours of praising and opening, opening the church. This church and this ministry can be proud of its work. On Friday night, I preached in the great big building that has been put up by three ABN. God bless them forever. And as I was walking out of the church, a man came up to me and he said through a translator, Pastor Carter, do you know me? I said, of course, Vladimir Samarodkin. He said, do you know me? I said, of course, you were the first secretary of the Communist Party. Yes. <laughs> The first secretary of the Communist Party for Nizhny Novgorod watched our television program, gave his life to Christ. Today he is a deacon in that church. From first secretary of the Communist Party, now he is a deacon in our church. And my heart shouts out, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory. Now a deacon helping Vadim to do evangelism. He was the guy in charge of the production of the MiG fighter jets. <laughs> in charge of the production of MiG fighter jets. Now in the charge of parsing out the Lord's Supper. Now I'm going to tell you a sad story. It's called the rebellion that spluttered. Most breakaways are rebellions. Just remember that. 
Most schisms in the church are caused by proud people. Acts chapter 20 says, Men from your own selves will arise, drawing away disciples after them. I baptized a man in 92 who was a man of great talent. His name is Nikolai. And Nikolai made the speech in 92 at the end of the campaign, thanking me on behalf of the Russian people. But a few years after he was baptized, Nikolai grew restive and he wanted to be the leader of the church. And he said of Alexander, Alexander's no good. Alexander is one of the finest Christian saints that I've ever met. A man of God, a man of impeccable integrity. But Nikolai said, this man is no good. I ought to be the leader. I ought to be the preacher. And these men are not spending the money correctly. You ought to send your money to me. And he broke away from our church in Nizhny Novgorod. And he took 80 of the people that I had baptized. 80 of the people. And there was a schism in the church. And I want to tell you exactly what he taught. He taught my friend that the old covenant was the Ten Commandments. And he taught that the old covenant, meaning the Ten Commandments, was nailed to the cross. He taught that the Ten Commandments were abolished. He said that the writings of Ellen White were inspired by the devil. And he said, we are released from the Holy Sabbath. It's all gone. And 80 earnest, foolish people followed him. Lacking spiritual discernment, they followed this man. I want to tell you folks something. When I got there, I said, what happened to the breakaway church? They said, it's finished. What's happened to the people? They have become atheists and communists. That's what happens. You turn away from God's word and you turn away from the law of God and there's nothing but perdition. I said, has anybody come back? Two or three folks. And what's, the, what's happened to the rest? They become atheists. What's happened to Nikolai? He's gone blind. He can't see. The whole thing is gone. The next time you plan to follow a charismatic person who tells you that the law of God is abolished, or a man who wants like Lucifer to take over the church because of pride. Beware, my friend. The last frontier, almost 3,000 miles east of Moscow, is Irkutsk. Here it is. Get to Moscow, Moskva. 3,000 miles, you come to Lake Baikal, which has one-fifth of all the surface fresh water in the world. It is a mile deep. The purest water, they say, on the planet. And there is the city of Irkutsk, about a million people. How was it settled? By the czars. They sent their political prisoners. And then in the days of Stalin, the best of Russia was sent there, the brains of Russia. That city has got the highest number of people with high IQs, I think, anywhere in the Soviet Union. By the grace of God, we have drawn the contract, signed it, to rent the outdoor Olympic Stadium that seats 20,000 plus, if people want to stand. We've got to get a PA system. 
Because when you go out of doors in a huge stadium, you got difficulties. I took over all of the handbill material, all of the books we're going to publish. We're going to publish four or five books to give to the people in their own language. We've got to get a PA system in, flowing in from Moscow. It's going to cost us, David tells me, because he did the negotiations in Moscow. It's going to cost us 50000 We don't have 50000 We don't have $50. God will have to work a miracle. I met with the minister of religion in the government. He said, we're waiting for you to come. The New England Youth Ensemble, God bless them, are coming at their own expense. I thank God for Dr. Virginia Rittenhouse and her team. These dedicated young Americans and Canadians who at their own expense are going to fly to England and then they're going to travel right across this land and they're going to stay in a youth hostel at $2.50 each per night. $2.50. You know why they do it? Because they're witnesses. Because they believe. Because they are missionaries. I salute them. And on August 8, the trumpet will sound. You see, I believe in public evangelism. I believe in it because smart people do and dumb people don't. I believe in it because Jesus did it. I believe it because the apostles did it. I believe in it because it is the word of God. Amen. And uh, on August 8, the trumpet will sound. And the orchestra will start to play to an audience of 20,000 people who've never, ever heard the word of God. Those people are virtually atheists. I can hardly wait for August 8 to come when those people are going to hear for the first time the word of God and I will give the invitation and see thousands come forward to accept Christ. And I want to invite you to come. Let me tell you about the pastor with a brain tumor. I was over there in Ekuts and this man came to see me, wrote me this letter, good English on the whole, Victor, Victor Shestekov. Dear Brother John, I'm very glad to see you again. Thank you very much for this possibility to tell you some words. First of all, excuse me for my English, it's very poor, sorry, a lot better than my Russian. May I introduce myself once more? My name's Victor Shestekov. I'm pastor of the Buryaktian Churches of SDA. We have seven churches in Buryaktia now. It's a national republic in Russia. There is lives Buryat nation in it, and Russians, of course. I have a film about your program in Nizhny Novgorod and Volga River. It's a very interesting film, and yesterday I had a meeting with you, and I was happy. Now I want to tell you about my idea. An idea is a possibility to start working in the Mongolian Republic. Lord, help me. The fatherland of Genghis Khan. After our enter. By the way, this country hasn't one evangelism company of Adventist Christians in history. 
You'll be the first evangelist who can do it. Make it. I have a task from President Ivan uh, Kimenitz. Reconnaissance and collect the information about the possibility to start our work in Mongolia. I have talks with the Council of the Mongolian Embassy and Yulanandi. Yulanandi is the capital of Buryatia and Yulanandi is a center of Buddhism in Russia. There are many Buddhist and Orthodox cathedrals and idols of shamanism, but Adventists have one church that they own. It's a problem, but in last October, I came to buy the old store, a bread shop for reconstruction for our church. I'm a building engineer and architect a little, and today we're preparing all necessary work, documents, plans, and so on for the start of reconstruction. I have a document about private property for a plot of land, and I have permission for reconstruction from a government of republic. We're ready to start, but we have a necessary sum of money. I need... $20,000 for reconstruction. It's my second offer, suggestion. I want to ask you, dear brother, to help our churches in reconstruction of this building. The Adventist church must have our cathedral, our home. It's my major dream at the present time. And it's my pain because my sisters and brothers haven't the place for their prayers to God. All the same time, I'm an invalid. Some time ago, I had an operation, a serious operation on my brain. And I'm in a great hurry because I'm not sure for my long life. I must be with this reconstruction in time. It's very important for me, and I ask you to help me in it. If it's interesting for you, I'm so happy. May God bless you. Sorry for my mistakes. Here is a pastor who's got a brain tumor. And he comes to me and he says, I've turned everywhere. I've turned to so many people. And where are the people from America who said they'd come and help us? Where are they? He said, I have a brain tumor and I've got a church here and we have nowhere to go. He said, can you help us? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have $20,000. I don't have $200. But I said, by God's grace, I won't say no to you. Because if God gives me the money, I'm going to give it to you. And then down here, just 200, 150 miles from, from Akuts is Mongolia. I'm going there next. I'm going to go and visit Mongolia. And by the grace of God, we shall strike a blow. For Christ in the land of Genghis Khan. Mm. God has blessed this ministry more than we deserve. God has blessed me more than I deserve because I'm a poor sinner saved by grace. Stumbling and falling, rising and fighting on. I want to thank my church members for standing with me. You know, we're light on in a pastoral staff. I've never had so many responsibilities, so much to do. I want to thank God, and I want to thank my supporters. I want to thank the Canadians who are standing with me, thousands of them. I want to thank the Americans the wonderful American people who are standing with us in the preaching of the gospel. 
I want to thank Laurie and Hazel Jones down in Mildura in the great land down under, the great southern land, the land of Australia, who supplied the money for our church in Zinsk. God bless you. Laurie and Hazel, God bless you forever. You didn't have to do it, but God moved upon your heart. I want to thank every person who is watching the telecast who is going to come with me to our coots. I want to thank the people who send us in the mail $10, $100, $1,000, Will you answer the call? Do I look forward to going to Ercutes? Yes and no. Do I like living in a third grade hotel? No, I don't. Do I like the long hours? No, I don't. But I answer the call because I love Jesus. I think when I was a student at college, I was a student car porter. And I went out at the end of one year, just before I graduated, with a young man by the name of Keith Ballard. Keith had a little Morris station wagon, if you could call it that. It was only about 10 feet long. I had a Harley Davidson motorbike. And we sold books to put ourselves through college from door to door. Some of the best days of my life. I lived out, didn't know where I'd stay at night. Traveled out in the outback, thousands of miles, on a great old Harley Davidson. I'd have one today if I could. <laughs> I like Harleys. I love it when I have the window down and a big Harley goes past. You know, a Harley's got a certain sort of noise. There's not. You can have the Hondas and all the Suzukis. Give me a Harley. Mm -hmm. I graduated, Keith graduated, he became a dear friend. He was called to go to Papua New Guinea. It's way down here in the South Pacific, north of Australia, this great island. He married a beautiful girl whose name was Gloria Carr, whom I knew. And Keith went up there as the director of a little mission. But on one of his walkabouts to preach the gospel, he got a scratch on his leg. It became infected. And because of some drug medication he was on, he got blood poisoning and he died. But he answered the call. He died in Papua New Guinea. I'll never forget him. I'll never forget Brian Dunn. I was the pastor of the Division Church in Australia, our main church, that is on the same campus as the Sydney Sand, the Sydney Adventist Hospital, the largest private hospital in the South Pacific, the largest Adventist hospital outside North America. I think it's the best Adventist institution in the world. A big organization did a survey of the hospitals around the world that have the best pathology departments. They compared every hospital in North America and Canada and Europe 
And the hospital that came in one was the Sydney Adventist Hospital. And I was the pastor that looked after that church and the staff of the Sydney Adventist Hospital. Dear friends of mine, precious memories, oh so sweet. The Sydney Adventist Hospital graduates every year a large number of nurses. And many of those nurses do not go into cushy jobs. They go out in the mission field. They still believe. They still believe. And Brian Dunn went out in the mission fields. He went to Papua New Guinea like my friend, Keith. And he was working on a mission station, healing the natives, giving them injections, carrying out operations, healing the lepers. And one night there was a knock on the door and Brian, who was just married to a beautiful young woman, went to the door. And a native stood there with a spear and thrust him through. Brian didn't die straight away. We have a number of mission planes up there that I have flown in, like the Andrew Stewart, named after the famous Andrew Stewart. And we had no plane. Our planes were out traveling around the countryside, delivering supplies. There was, thank God, a little Roman Catholic mission station down the road, and they had a plane. When the priest heard the cry for help, he sent his plane. They put Brian with the spear, threw him in the plane, and flew him to Port Moresby. They sawed off the spear in the plane. Then in Port Moresby Hospital, this was after hours, they got the spear out of his body. But it was too late. Brian Dunn died as a martyr in Papua New Guinea. He answered the call. What about you? Who will go when the master calls? Who will say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen. Please bow your heads. Our Father, stir these hard, cold hearts. Stir us with a passion for the lost and a passion for Christ. Take the flake out of us and give us the mind of Jesus. Make us more than professors. Make us your disciples. We thank you for the thousands of souls we've had the privilege of baptizing right across that great land. For the 35 churches you've used us to establish. And the new church buildings that we've been able to build because people cared. Oh God. Purge from our souls selfishness and pride and dishonesty and make us to be your disciples. Wash us in the blood of Jesus. Renew a right spirit within us and blot out our transgressions. Then we will teach sinners your ways. 
Dear Father, bless the audience that watches this program. Stir their hearts. May they decide that they're going to do something for evangelism and do something for Russia and do something for America and do something for Canada and do something for the world. We dedicate ourselves to you today. As we're praying here today in the presence of God with our eyes closed and our hearts open, who will raise his hand and say, yes, I will dedicate myself to be his witness today. Would you raise your hand? If you can say that with sincerity, raise your hand and say, yes, I will be your witness because you died for me because you love me and because of the need of the world today i dedicate myself to be your witness oh my father take these upraised hands and these upraised hearts we dedicate ourselves to you today we're not able but you are give us the strength oh god give me the strength to carry on Give me the strength to pastor this church. Raise up strong supporters who can be depended upon. Raise up supporters across this great land who have in them the spirit of the holy God. And oh God, make us your people weak in ourselves but strong in Christ. Cover us with the blood of Jesus. We worship you, bless you, thank you praise you hallelujah in jesus name amen